When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to United Hour. Your one-stop shop for everything Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Cole. We are here today, Monday night, recording a couple of days after another disappointing draw and points dropped against Leicester City. Uh, making it even more disappointing, Calm, is the fact that right now, as we're talking, Arsenal are choking and losing 2-0 to Crystal Palace. And I kind of knew this would happen, that there was no way Arsenal or whoever were going to like win every game. So that just makes it even worse that we've thrown these points away again here now, right? Yeah, it does, obviously. Well, first of all, I don't care. So I'll get that right out of there. But um, credit to you for still maintaining an interest. But um, like I said a few weeks ago, we won't get top four. And and you've kind of been correctly saying, you know, ah, oh, but, you know, we're only three points. Mathematically possible. Other teams will drop points. My core argument throughout has been no one will drop as many points as we will drop. So don't, you know, the, the kind of seven or eight game winning run that we would need. Probably wouldn't even need that kind of run. But the, the good form we would require to actually get ourselves over the um you know games in hand deficit and stuff like that we just never we just won't we just won't string together we won't even get the good one good result i think we're three wins in the last 11 um you know so it was always less about the form of the other teams and much more about us and i just uh, to me we aren't in a race with anyone we are in a vacuum you know so uh, fair play to you for still crunching the numbers and, and looking, watching Monday Night Football but um, it neither surprises me nor interests me that Arsenal are shit in the bed because it has nothing to do with us frankly we won't get fourth nor do we deserve it nor do we need it Nick I mean what do you mean when you say nor do we need it I mean for I'll I know we don't need it in terms of, you know, players coming in. We've seen before, even when we don't get Champions League, we've still had big signings. You know, it's but like yeah. when you have a wound, it's like when you have a wound that's festering and you think, you know, uh, you know, I'll just leave it there instead of cutting the limb off. And it seems like cutting the limb off is a way worse thing. And actually, Nick, it's the cure, you know, and that's the that's the analogy that I would draw at the moment. If we get top four, 
there's some kind of gloss that can be put on this season. There's some kind of avenue for which they can convince themselves that it's not too bad. There's extra revenue there that will allow the Glazers, etc. to continue with this approach that they have. And all the things that have been true of the club in the last nine years or whatever will remain true. Now, don't get me wrong, all those things will probably stay constant regardless of what happens. So we may as well enjoy Champions League football. And yes, it was a delight to qualify back-to-back seasons or whatever it was under Ole for the first time since um, Fergie. And that is where we should be. But if you're not truly good enough... And if your squad's that much of a disaster that you produce the kind of football we have this season, you have no right or you should have no desire to see yourself in the Champions League next year. Yes, a great summer window and a new manager could turn it all around. But really, there's probably a very strong argument that A, the financial loss and the bigger impact and the shame of having such a disaster season and possibly finishing seventh will encourage more reflection, more consideration and more extreme measures in the summer which i think is what most people want and secondly next year we will be better off and the new manager will be better off for being in less competitions whether they like it or not because our squad is not easily transformable into one that can compete across four fronts and therefore the time will be better spent a la arsenal and other teams just concentrating on fixing the squad and competing in the league yeah although i think we probably will still get Europa League, although even that could be a battle. Uh, we definitely do not want to end up in that conference nonsense. Um, I do think, though, actually, the way, you know, with Liverpool already having won the Carabao Cup, unless Crystal Palace managed to win the FA Cup, Europa League is probably actually going to go down to seventh place. And uh, we'd have to be pretty bad from here on in not to so, get so seventh. We're in it at the we moment. Are, we're in it at the we moment. are seventh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's true. We are actually there. seventh right now. So that's not even a done deal either. It's not like, you know, if you're going for the grass, glass half empty, then yeah, even getting seventh place is going to be a battle for us with Wolves or whoever it is just behind us. Just, but, just wait, just wait until Frank Lampard's Everton beats us next week, Nick, and then, you know, and then we'll see where we're at, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Then I'll start saying, you know, maybe, maybe Europa Conference isn't too bad after all uh, but yeah we are still uh, look it's actually crazy given the amount of points we've thrown away recently that we are still actually only three points from fourth place and at the moment it is Tottenham Osper sat in that place they've had a bit of a resurgence even though we did beat them recently uh, you know they smashed Newcastle and they're currently in that fourth place spot Arsenal just behind them West Ham is still in there as well although they've played more games than everybody and then yeah we're seventh um, you know these we didn't deserve any more than two point, uh, one point in this Leicester game. You know, let's look at that match over here. Uh, for me, it was a fair result. Uh, XG shows 0.9 for us, one point for them. So basically, the game has more or less gone with that. I mean, it was a pretty low quality match in general. Not a lot of chances for either team and kind of evenish. Uh I don't know. It's kind of it's difficult to even get many talking points from this game. Really, there wasn't that much even to chat about, was there? No, I don't think so. It was a bit of a non-event. It looked like um, the kind of game you get on the last day of the season, not uh, in uh, the end of March, start of April. Um, and and really, there was there was just so little to care about, and that, and that looked like the the thought of a lot of the players. You know, I, I, even occasionally, I thought some nice football sort of broke out from us. You know. Um, I didn't think it was just as tragic as people were making out, you know, at halftime and stuff, but that's probably just, you know, the, literally the definition of apathy. Um, But 
yeah, it was, it's just it was so hard to be motivated by it. And also it just looked like we didn't really care. And then that same kind of fragility crept in. Like we, we must literally have nightmares about the 60th minute because that's just when we get into periods of games, especially at Old Trafford, where we've played okay, but we haven't capitalized, haven't scored the goals. And regardless of how we're dominating, how we're playing, how confident we look, the other team will just get a chance and score. And that just always seems to happen, you know. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty unremarkable. And, you know, save a very few decent performances, it was, it, it was totally forgettable, you know. Yeah, I mean, first half was absolutely average. And I'd say both teams, I've seen a few people saying, oh, Leicester dominated or should have won. I, I don't agree with that. I thought both teams were like pretty average. Uh, you know, the game was even-ish in terms of chances and whatever. Not that many clear clock ones. Uh, did think, you know, we had the big talking point before, of course, was that Ronaldo was not available. Cavani inevitably went off on international duty, came back injured. We may not even see him again this season. Uh, let's see what happens with that. And he decided, yeah, you know, the only other option now we're left with is Marcus Rashford. After starting the season with five strikers, Ronaldo, Cavani, Greenwood, Martial, Rashford, we're kind of down to one option now and he's been way off form. Uh, mm. So, you know, we saw this in the City game relatively recently where he went with the kind of Bruno false nine. He's gone with that same thing again. Uh, you know, I hope he doesn't do that again, even yeah. if we don't have anyone available. Like Rashford came in. I'm not going to say he had a great game. He wasn't mm. involved that much, didn't have that many touches, but just by the mere thing of being on the pitch and being in that kind of striker position, it made a difference just, you know, in terms of shape. And, you know, people say, oh, Rashford barely touched the ball. But often it's just the thing of somebody being there occupying defenders, giving more space to midfielders and things like that to come and play. It just does even make a big difference for me. Uh, so, you know, whatever happens. And even if you're throwing somebody else in, I've seen it thrown out. Why doesn't Alanga play up front? I mean, I still personally would give Rashford that place, uh, despite how bad he's been. And yeah, he has been bad. But yeah, for me, somebody has to play striker and I don't really want to see this false nine thing again. No, nor I think it's, um, uh, you know, I'm quite a big fan of Ranić. I, I think everything he said so far has been spot on. I think a lot of in-game stuff, it's been fine. Um, and I do think I've seen a bit of a change in how we play with what he's been able and, and what he's had to work with which is ultimately extremely little a team that is not set up to play the way he wants to play and then half that team hasn't actually been available to him um, for large swathes and stuff like that so you know i really have had very few issues with him uh, this performance was one that i i was quite bothered by because you know it almost just seemed like trying to be clever for clever's sake city have made this seem like a viable tactic and also it's something that has kind of crept into modern football which is you can always be clever enough to kind of get ahead of a problem within your squad to the extent where you'll do things like just not play a striker and that that is achievable for most teams and it's not achievable for most teams it's achievable for essentially no teams barcelona city possibly a handful of others although i'd struggle to name one that actually has done it successfully you know, so to think that we could just do that, having never, you know, seen it before, except I think one game against City in which it was a disaster, having not clearly worked on it or trained it or planned for it or expected it and knowing what we know about our squad and how far we are away from the way City play and, and the fact that the way they play, you know, makes them the, the kind of characteristics of the players they have 
particularly their front four or five, makes them able to do that effectively. And we are miles off that in how we play. We don't play like that at all. So to think that that would work, you know, and that there wouldn't just be this cavernous space um, in the middle of the pitch. Also, you know, alongside the false nine, Bruno getting forward and Pogba getting into those spaces, Sancho and um, Alanga were so wide, you know, so wide, which for me seemed to, um, you know, really make the problem worse. So I think it's sort of clever for clever's sake and I don't get it. I agree with you regardless. Like I have really no issue with Rashford sitting on the bench because I think it sends a very strong message and I think ultimately it's a good message and I think it's it's based on merit and that's totally fine. He has been awful. However, Rashford is likely going to be at the club next year and at a certain point he will have to play himself out of form because we do not have the depth to simply let him be on the bench and, and come in for 30 minutes every game. And I agree with you. I would have just started him at number nine. We need a number nine. And even though he's not a number nine, he's the closest thing in that squad to it who's available and fit. Um, failing that, I would have played McNeil or someone. You know, it's a essentially a dead rubber game anyway. You know, that's what it looked like. And that's how the, the players were treating it. You know, I think conventional wisdom to me says if you have academy players that are actually strikers and actually understand the position, have played there for the last eight years of their life since they were, you know, eight years old or whatever, it doesn't really matter that they're 16, 17, 18, 19 and haven't played for the minutes or aren't good enough because they are a person who's a footballer, who's at United, who have legs and who have played a position and understand it. You know, I would really rather that than this kind of Bruno Pogba hybrid forward, but also midfielders thing. It just was never a thing that you would want to replicate. And to me, why not just give the youth a chance in that instance or play Marcus Rashford, even though he doesn't really deserve it. He's still someone there who's going to be halfway useful. Yeah, I mean, one, there is a couple of issues I will take with kind of Ralph's lineup and everything over here. I mean, firstly, in terms of the starting lineup, I always find it a bit weird that after kind of an international week where some players have been flying around the world, have played two matches, whereas other players have been training every week back at Carrington, I always think that those players who've been still staying in Manchester, surely they should be working every day, just working for the next game because they've got nothing else for. So, you know, yeah. we're talking about the likes of Matic, Rashford, even maybe Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I just think surely those players were going to be fresher, are going to be more prepared. Whereas the likes of McTominay, uh, Langer even, you know, for the first time he's been yeah. out with Sweden. He didn't start two games, but he did play some minutes over there. McTominay, you know, played uh, one match and was in in sub. So, yeah, I kind of find it a bit weird that you play some of these players come in. And, although at the same time, to be fair, the player who actually I thought was the best on the day, Fred, is the one who's actually jetted halfway across the world, has played uh, one and a bit kind of matches and flown back and still put in a damn good performance um so yeah it you know doesn't always go that way but it's a general kind of look about you know when there's international break i always find it a bit strange to play those players who've played all those minutes uh in the break as opposed to ones who kind of should be fresher should be more prepared i, I agree i would have had Madichin, definitely um yeah and i would have started with rashford i don't think there was any option not to i was really surprised and, and as you say i mean Aaron Wamasaki obviously doesn't favour, probably thought we would be on the front foot in this match and Dallow's preferred in those kind of games. I think that's fine. Um, But Rashford is the one that just sticks out. I mean, to not go on international duty and then not start the next game just sends such a message. I mean, and he said more about Rashford, you know, um, this week around, you know, it being him who has to do it, but he won't do it if he doesn't play. And I, again, I'm not saying that he deserves to and that it's such a, you know, Neville on commentary during the game for anyone who was um, watching on Sky, you know, will have picked up on 
how horrific his commentary really was on that, to be honest. And it's a real blind spot for a lot of, um, I think, uh, English broadcasters, uh, as we're not surprised. I think we and Rooney might have had more comments of a similar ilk about uh, youth product Jesse Lingard today and stuff like that. You know, there is, and we spoke about this, you know, last week. There is an inherent bias that is fine in terms of a local academy product and stuff like that. There's also a bias that goes too far and wouldn't be given to other players. And that was what it was with Neville. It was, you know, it was all flipped around as if Marcus Rashford was the victim here, you know, and that he, you know, Marcus Rashford can't wait to get a new manager in as if somehow Ralph was being unfair to him. And, and it hasn't been unfair in any way, shape or form. And even as galling as it was against Leicester, because there was literally no other choice. If he doesn't think he deserves to play, there is a reason for that. You know, there's no vendetta. There's no, you know, it might have just been, yes, a bad decision in hindsight, but it was one he made with all the facts, you know, Ranjik. So, you know, f- to be kind of now passing it off as something, you know, to do with Ranjik as opposed to do with Marcus Rashford, I think is slightly harsh. And I thought Neville really went way too far um, down that line in the commentary to the point where just like, you know, it, it just looked like Mark Trash could do no wrong and he was just chatting about his mate, which I think comes across quite a lot about specific English players, not all English players, but specific English players sometimes from the English media. Yeah, no, and I'm happy to admit that I will be biased towards yeah. uh, academy products. Not yeah. necessarily, they don't have to be English for no. for me. Yeah. Uh, any Man United academy product, whether it's Scott McTominay, whether, it, you know, and we've got some others in there, whether it's Garnacho, whether it's Hannibal, totally. I will want them I to mean, be we, preferred we, we, over we, we other players. We spoke about that last week, and I, I completely agree with you. I'm right there with you. What They, they should get different status and preference, and you should be more invested in, in them being a success at United and, and maybe go a bit further to give them that chance. I totally agree with that. Where I would draw the line is when you're turning blame and criticism that's completely warranted down other avenues, perhaps where it isn't warranted, just because, and and kind of, it just seemed like it was all just too much from Marcus Rashford as the victim here. He's not the victim. You know, he's in terrible form. You know, he might have been mismanaged, yes, but it's been so long now that I think all those excuses kind of fall by the wayside. And to think that he just needs a new manager to come in and unlock him because no one else can do it or whatever really takes a lot of the personal responsibility and onus, I think, away from Marcus Rashford. And that is what's entirely wrong with his squad throughout it, you know. So I wouldn't be keen for that. Um, and I wouldn't really be receptive to hearing it. So, And I'm normally pretty happy with Neville. I think he gets a lot of unfair stick, you know, from United fans, as is, you know, par for the course. But uh, on uh, on Saturday there, it was pretty bad, I thought. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with any of that. And like I say... You can understand why Rashford is left out. And to be fair, Ranjik made a relatively early sub in the second half and did bring him in. Um, and I, as, as I said earlier, I thought Rashford, he didn't have the great game. He didn't get that many touches. He's only got kind of 14 touches after he's come on. But at least he looked a bit sharper, better than he has been, which is not difficult because he's been absolutely awful on a few occasions, giving the ball away again and again. This time he was not giving the ball away. Uh, you know, as regular listeners will know, I like my passing accuracy stats and Rashford is at like 89%. So he didn't touch it that much, but at least in the touches he had, he wasn't giving it away. And he did have that late chance which would just seemed a bit of a mess with the Langer getting in his way. And I think he would have got either a penalty or a pretty decent shot off if a Langer hadn't been there. Uh, and despite his poor season, Marcus Rashford is still actually top of the list of substitute Premier League goal scorers this season. 
you know, if, it's not that long ago that he was still scoring a last-minute winner for us against West Ham. Uh, so, you know, he has done it. Even though he's been bad, he still has scored a few goals and important ones for us so far this year. Um, but, yeah, look, he got his chance, came back in there. If Ronaldo is still unavailable, Cavani is going to be out for a while. And, yeah, I would look to get him start. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Wayne Rooney has been on Monday Night Football tonight. There's quite a few quotes of his doing the rounds now. Uh, he backed Rashford. He backed Maguire, said he's a world-class centre-back. He's just off form and will be better next season. Uh, he did make some kind of... I don't know whether he was almost doing it as a joke because that joke about Jesse Lingard being young and promising is done all the time now. But yeah, he said there's some good young players around and name-checked uh, Lingard, who's 29 years old. He name-checked Scott McTominay, who's 25 years old uh so yeah a little bit strange in his comments over there um but yeah we will get on to the manager situation a bit later because yeah Rooney said he prefers Pochettino so yeah we will chat on that uh, in a sec but yeah let's just finish off this kind of Leicester game uh I mean as you said before yet again we go one behind giving them a chance after coming out I thought you know better in the second half but yeah the ball comes in Lots of blame on all sorts of defenders. I don't know if there's anyone in particular <laughs> you'd like to single out, Classic. but yeah, I know. Go on. Uh, no, I, I just, no, I don't think so. And I, I just think so often recently we've been saying, you know, who isn't to blame rather than who is to blame. You know, like it's a calamity of errors. And again, I think it just just speaks to. I mean, the, the cross is unbelievable. The cross beats them all, you know. Um, there's there's definitely mistakes before that. Um, some people saying Bruno's too weak, you know, with the challenge um on the halfway line for the counter. Um, I think that's a wee bit harsh. Um, but after that, I think it's just it's one of those goals that seem to always come against us when we're in our poor periods of form, where like everything has to go right. And I just think that cross, you won't see a cross like that for a long time again. You know, you don't see those every week. It is just. An unbelievable cross. I'm not sure he's even left-footed, is he? Uh, I'm not yeah, sure that he is either. And, you know, James Madison, he's one that's gone off the radar. A couple of seasons ago, he was being linked with us. And he he's was in kind very of good almost... form at the minute. He's in very good... He had a very, I think, poor start to the season. Um, but he's in very good form at the minute. He's sort of... Um, you know, they've had an issue with Vardy this year and haven't been able to replace him. And I think, you know, that's the other thing to remember about this game is how bad Leicester are. Yeah, and like, and I would say that Ian Nacho, <laughs> even yeah. though he scored the goal, he had a yeah. few good positions. And that yeah. if it was, was Jamie awful. Vardy in that position, yeah. I think we yeah, would have been 100%. punished. He was awful. And throughout the game, you know, throughout their team, they're just having a bit of a crisis confidence at the moment. I think they don't feel like themselves and they've certainly had a terrible year. So, you know, not that we need any extra reasons to, um, you know, I think criticise that United performance, but it should be borne in mind that we are playing the only other team in the league outside of Everton who we're playing next week, you know, that could be said to be in as poor kind of a crisis and a, and a form um, as, as, as we currently are, you know. So I do think that's an important lens to view it all through. But yeah, the goal, you know, I sort of wonder, could De Gea do even better with the header? But you just expect so much from De Gea in those kinds of instances, you know, like where he does get a hand to it and where it is kind of a acrobatic have to reach across thing and he does so well to almost tip it further. I just wonder, could his wrist be a wee bit stronger but that's i'm sure harsh um other than that i think it's just a like it was a fantastic fantastic cross i felt for a lot of the game particularly in the second half we were so passive in our defending you know just standing off and no urgency around pressing the ball or there was a decent press i thought from the front of the pitch um but when we did then drop in we really dropped and and really let them come on to us and kind of just 
pass it around, you know, especially I thought the disallowed goal, if you watch it back, I mean, they're just, they have all the time in the world just to pick little passes, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, on the defence, one of the few kind of interesting points on this game was that he shifted Harry Maguire to the right side, mm. uh, Varane on the left. I mean, I remember we never ever talked that much about who was left, who was right, until I remember Louis van Gaal came in and had this big thing about left-footed centre-backs, who was the right side, who was the left side. And since then, it's always been a bigger kind of thing. Uh, and Maguire has always been on the left, whether it was Lindelof, whether it was Varane, whether it was Bailly, uh, he's always been the left side. Ralph then said, look, you know, I've seen him play for England on the right and he is right-footed and maybe it works out. And yeah, I actually thought Maguire had a pretty good game. Uh, you know, he's been backed all around by Southgate, by everybody recently. So, yeah, if he's not going to pull out some kind of form now, then, you know, he's not. But I did think that he played quite a lot better uh, than he has yeah. done recently. And, yeah, generally, I do agree with a lot of the comments that he is a very good player. Definitely a hell of a lot better than he's shown this season. Um, you know, whether he's Manchester United captain, that is a whole other question. And I don't think he is. Um, but, yeah, I think hopefully he can come back and be playing regularly and looking better over there. Um, yeah, I mean, someone said during the week, you know, he's not United's worst defender, and I agree, you know. I think it might have been Southgate who said that. Um, you know, he's not necessarily the problem. Obviously, there's a whole shining light on him just for various reasons. A, because he's Harry Maguire. B, because of the English media. C, because of his face. And D, because of his form, obviously, which hasn't been good, but I agree with you. I, I don't know that he's like a top, top, top player. I think the jury's out a wee bit after this year. and You know, but he has definitely played at a high level you know you t people talk about the way he plays at various english tournaments you know and, and yeah you, you have to you know count that in um he's good enough for manchester united as you say the captain conversation is a whole different um thing he didn't really put a foot wrong against leicester he didn't have a lot to do we, we we were broadly really i felt quite in control and leicester did not make the most of of decent positions and as you know i don't think he actually threatened them at all so i think him and Varan had like a pretty cozy day to be honest so i wouldn't take too much from it either way um, there was one moment, I mean, he was getting a great reception off, obviously, Old Trafford after the England fans booed him, which I think was always guaranteed and nice to see because, you know, the United fans were booing him two weeks beforehand, but when <laughs> other people boo him, you know, then, then we cheer for him again because that's not that's not cool, you know. Um, so that was nice. I'm, I'm pleased for him because you never want someone to, you know, you don't want to see a, a player crumble before your eyes, you know, in terms of their United career, which does sometimes happen. And he's certainly on that precipice, I think. Um, of it going one or the other way but um, there was a moment where he uh, someone was pressing him for a ball that was kind of running around and he kind of faked one way and then took a touch around them mm. and the crowd were like just crowd went mad you know as if say yeah very good well played but even when he did that he looked like a boat you know doing it the touches and the turns it was also you know cumbersome even though he did it well and I just thought yeah class Harry Maguire but um, I would just like people not to talk about him for a while you know like just play out the rest of the season, take the focus off him, you know. And, and to me, that's the same with Rashford. The, I would start Rashford in every game between now and the end of the season, and I would not have any expectation that he would do anything useful. And if at the end of the season he was still as awful as he'd been and he hadn't done anything in the eight games, I think you're more informed for the summer. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think not playing him does anything for us because there's players who will not be here next year, I'm certain of, and there's players who we have clearly made up our mind on. Marcus Rashford won't be one of those players. The club will keep him unless there's a crazy offer and I'm sure he'll want to stay. So, you know, he gets paid too much and he's too good. He's shown too high a level to just waste away on the bench, whether he deserves it or not. If we had four other players, 
you know, if Greenwood wasn't in the situation he was in and was still there for minutes, if Sancho was firing on all cylinders, if we had, you know, Cavani and Ronaldo fit, then yeah, keep him on the bench all day long. None of those things are really true. So like I would play him for the rest of the season, pretty much regardless of how he performs, because he has to either play his way out of it or show enough for either Ralph, the club, or the next manager to say, look, mate, I've seen enough. We, You know, you're you're just not doing it. You're surplus to requirements, whatever it is, you know? Yeah, and I yeah, I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, Langer's done well when he's come in, but mm. he's not done well enough to be, like, playing, starting no. games week no. in, week out. And you can't like, just start someone because they're receptive to you in training or because they put a shift in. You know, I appreciate that's kind of what we're saying at the moment, and he's a youth player, so it's worthwhile, but... You know, he had a tough game there against Leicester. He, he was pretty poor. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty, yeah, like I said. And it's not been the first time. Like I said, he's young. Uh, he's a player who is in there more for his kind of work rate. And he said, Ralph has said a few times, he follows instructions. He's good at the press. But, you know, often his end product isn't always. And there was a few times he was in good positions and the right cut back, the right kind of square ball would have led to a goal. And, you know, we've already talked about as well that last minute kind of where he literally gets in the way of Rashford. Uh, you know, we talked about Rooney backing Maguire, backing Rashford. And the other player, he said again, is Jesse Lingard, he said, should be playing. Um, Imran, will be fuming. A, Imran will be fuming about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Imran and the Oshwin said we shouldn't be anywhere near. But I did actually think him. there were some bizarre comments from Ralph afterwards where he said, I didn't have many attacking options from the bench and I had Lingard in there who'd been vomiting pre-match. And I'm like, come on, like, this is the point where you say, where is Hannibal? Where is Garnacho, McNeil? Uh, you know, do we have other, like, options? Like, you know, our youth team has been doing very well this year. They've reached the cup final. There, A lot of players have been showing a lot of talent over there. So to throw in Jesse Lingard on the bench after he's been sick and vomiting ahead of those kind of players, to me, is a really bad decision. Um, and I'm seeing quite a lot of our fans saying that, you know, as our... As we're getting towards, I don't call them dead rubbers, but, you know, top four out, surely players like that should be getting more of a chance. And I, I agree with that just because the players who are playing at the moment, the first teamers who've been there week in, week out are not delivering. Uh, so, you know, whether it's like I say, I think these are the three, Hannibal, Garnacho, McNeil of the kind of attacking players. There is Shola Shoratire as well, who we saw a bit of last season. Um, but, you know, all these players, surely they should at least be getting a bench place. I'm not saying that they should be thrown up in the starting lineup. But yeah, give them the bench. And if the time, whether it's 10, 20 minutes here and there, let's give them a chance. Uh, you know, I, like I said, that to here, Lingard has been sick all week. He's throwing up and he's still on the bench. That to me was a bit bizarre. Yeah, I think that is totally bizarre. I get we have a super thin squad and I get also we're just trying to get to the end of the season essentially. Um, but to me, I think Ole puts them in. You know, he was always good in that way. Um so I would rather see that as well. I totally agree with you. The only thing I would say is there's possibly a little bit of not wanting to put them into the current United team, you know? And I do wonder if that's part of it, you know, that it's it's not a harmonious place. It's not a happy place. It's not a place in form. It's not a place where the fans are happy with the performances, you know? So do you want to kind of expose young players who maybe aren't quite ready to that environment as their first instance you know of playing for Manchester United um, or do you maybe want to just think look we'll wait till next year and what's the loss really you know I mean I totally agree with you I'd still rather see them and have them in but I do wonder if there's an element of you know let's not you know put good money after bad if you know what I mean or kind of spoil their introduction by just chucking them into what is now a complete you know 
disaster, essentially. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, let's move on from that Leicester game. I mean, look, now that, as I say, we're sat in seventh, even, you know, I'm not expecting now this big... I mean, we have eight matches left, 24 points to play for. And as I'll keep pointing out, we are only three points off top four. But for now, even, yeah, for me, it's a bit of a reach. So, yeah, it's looking like we're fighting for Europa League or something like that. And a lot of our last games are semi-kind of dead rubbers. And it's like one very depressing, and but yeah, kind of talking point question throw out there where people are saying like, is this our worst season post-Fergie? Uh, you know, if we go, if we look back, there is a few contenders, and obviously the first one with David Moyes, where we finished out of like European places, is definitely a big one up there. There was a couple of others where we finished outside of the Champions League, but Louis van Gaal finished outside Champions League, but won the FA Cup that year. Jose Mourinho finished outside of the top four, but won the Europa League. So definitely those can be discounted because you know if you won a trophy, you cannot count it. Uh, the only other one that you'll throw in is the year that went from Jose to Ole where we didn't win anything. We didn't end up in the Champions League places. But we had that kind of great run that Ole went on when he came in. We had that win in Paris. So even that, for me, is not out there. I mean, for me, this season isn't yet over, so we have to see where we're at yet. But yeah, assuming but we don't redemption? get... Where is the redemption? Well, I, look, there is still, like I say, there is still the possibility of finishing top four. But yeah, yeah, assuming we don't, I'd say it is between this season and the Moyes one. But for me, that first Moyes season is still the worst. Just because we went from being uh, Premier League winners and, you know, I know some people will say that squad wasn't great and this and that and whatever, but to go from being Premier League winners and for us just thinking, you know, the bare minimum is like getting back in the Champions League to ending up whatever it was, you know what? seventh in the end. Do you know what the cruelest irony of all that is? Go on. David Moyes is going to finish above us this year. <laughs> so how can that be worse when the same manager who had us that year is going to outperform us this year at West Ham? Well, yeah, look, look, it is a question, but yeah, look, for I me... Think, I, I agree with you. Those are the two standouts for me this year and uh, the Moyes the year. Moist, I, I think the Moyes one gets more of a pass because you just can't follow Fergie. It was all, like, it just was going to be a disaster. You know, literally, and so much of that team left with Fergie, and I don't mean they physically left, I mean they mentally left with Fergie, mm. you know? Mm. Like, Van Persie always talks about that, you know little sort of betrayal of of him convincing him to come and saying look there'll be a few years here yet and all that kind of stuff you know and i know they did win the league and all that kind of stuff but there was always that you know as soon as he's gone mentally i'm checked out kind of thing you know um and that i just think that was a guarantee and a write-off and, and it was awful it was awful you know we all remember the issues but for me this one i don't think it's recency bias this one takes the biscuit because a You've lost Ole, which was a difficult thing. There, there's been no, there's been no highlight of this year. You know, there's been no period where we've done well. There's been no competition where we've done well. There's been no player who could you put, you could put your finger on and say he I, that was the good thing about this year. You know, you can make claims for Sancho and Fred, but I mean, is that not just scraping the absolute bottom of the barrel? Bruno again has been decent. Um, De Gea, okay, maybe a wee bit. That's it. Everywhere else, there's failure and disappointment and, you know, homegrown good players who are now just looking broken. So to me, this one definitely takes the takes the cake by quite a distance, actually, I think, because it is complete failure. 
And the squad we had going into this summer, or going into this transfer window, having got Sancho, having brought in Ronaldo rightly or wrongly, having, you know, finished well last year and all that good stuff, for me, is better than what Moyes had, given that he was coming after Fergie. Yeah, I appreciate he had a title-winning team, but people say that. It wasn't, you know, it, it, it had problems, you know, and there was the inherent problem of following Fergie. So, um, for me, it's this year, uh, definitely, you know, and... That is pretty sad, but there's been there's been nothing good about this year, Nick. There's not been one good thing about this year. Yeah, I can't disagree with that at all. Plus, you're right, you talk about our expectations in the summer yeah. when, you know, after coming second, after at least reaching a final, after bringing in Varane, Sancho, Ronaldo, we were all pretty positive. And even though not many of us thought we were going to win the league, we thought we would at least push towards it. Um but yeah, so yeah, I, I do understand that. Because yeah, I mean, to be fair, I had very low expectations of that Moy season. I never wanted yeah, exactly. David Moy yeah. as manager. Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't, but I, like, I still no thought he would get like third thinking, or fourth. Yeah, but no one was going thinking, yeah, Moisey, we will win the league again. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't the vibe, you know. It was like, yeah, oh God, are they sure? Oh, okay, yeah, it sounds good. We'll see how it goes. You know, that was basically it. No, no, we might revisit that one after we actually finish this season and see exactly where we did end up. Because uh, in that Moy season, we finished seventh, not in Europe at all, if I remember correctly. But although in those days, we didn't have a Europa Conference League to look forward to. Um, but yeah, I think, like I said, as bad as we are, it's looking like Europa League would go down to seventh place. So we'd still have to like mess up quite badly not to end up at least in that seventh place over there. Um, I mean, look, let's get onto that managerial chat. We went deep on it on the last podcast. If you haven't listened to that one, do go and have a catch up over there. I haven't because, made, yeah. but I will. Yeah, well, look, like I said, there was the extra chats as well, because I know you've given your uh, kind of thoughts on it. Imran was there, and then, yeah, some of the other guys around who haven't been on recently gave their thoughts there. I mean, one of the interesting things was, I think it was Reese actually, who said he would stick with Ralf Ranjik. And, I mean, yeah, I don't know what you think about that. I actually quite like Ralph Ranić, he find him quite honest in press conferences. I think he's done a semi-decent job. He's got us kind of playing... Not great, but playing better for sure. And a lot of the stats, you know, so many times we were like making enough chances, not finishing them, which actually wasn't the case in this particular Leicester game. But it has been time and time again that we were like not conceding so many goals and chances that we were earlier. We were creating, just not managing to finish off. And that's why I had that hope that all of a sudden it's going to click in, and <laughs> which has not happened and looks like it isn't going to happen. Um, but do you not think that he has any kind of shout of staying in charge of the team well no i don't um and that's for me the end of the conversation because i i i do like the idea i see a lot of worth in it particularly given what i think our expectations should be next year but i don't think it's on the table whatsoever i think it's clearly defined where he will be going and i also think we are clearly looking for someone else so i think barring managerial disasters in the summer i.e other teams scooping up everyone we wanted and um, there's no way that would happen so but i think it's a bit of a shame um, even though I would still definitely choose one of Pochettino or Ten Hag, I do think there's merit in keeping Ralph. A, I really like him. B, he says all the right things and he knows what is wrong with his squad. And D, you know, he has that experience of managing clubs and kind of running clubs, you know, and if, and I believe we are, in a complete, like, scrap it and rebuild it situation, that is a pretty short end of the stick to give either Pochettino or Ten Hag. 
I think particularly Ten Hag, because you're asking him to come in and be the savior from a league that is nowhere near as competitive and a club that are dominant and that have unbelievable youth talent coming through. You barely have to do anything, you know, and and have such an ingrained identity in terms of how to play. It's a a pretty easy managerial job as far as things go. To ask him to come in and to say, oh, by the way, with the squad we're giving you, it's pretty much in ruins. Please help us rebuild that. I think puts huge pressure on them. I think it puts a higher grade of difficulty on this United job. And as such, I think it's tricky to to put a lot of faith in, in either of those managers coming in and being the kind of saviour and turnaround performance that people are going to want and indeed expect, which will just be so unfair, you know? So I do think a good way to mitigate that is by just giving Ralph a year. Now, people will say, you know, you shouldn't give someone else a time to build a team for, for someone else to bring someone in. But, you know, equally, you don't want a manager coming into a, a dumpster fire, you know, um, which is kind of what it's going to look like. So, but again, it's not going to happen. So it's not really worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, the biggest shame, actually, for Ralph Ranić coming in is that he's not actually made a big attempt to put the team in the way he would like it to play. He did try when he first came in, and I think he quite quickly abandoned it because he realised that there's no way in just a few weeks they're going to play that gag and press style with even that 4-2-2-2. And he realised quite quickly that this is not going to work. And his remit was obviously save this season and get top four. It's absolutely clear from everything he's said, from everything he's been, that he's just told, listen, you're here for six months. Just get us into the top four and into the Champions League next season. And then we'll see what we do. So I think he realised after a few weeks that, look, the best thing for me to do is let these players stay more towards the system they've been used to and just try and improve some other things on the training pitch, in the mentality where we can maybe try and turn, you know, some of those draws and whatever into wins and get back up the table. And that's what he's gone for. So the shame for it there is that he's now kind of rated on not the way he would probably actually have done. If somebody had said to him, yeah. listen, you've got a year, you've got 18 months, I'm sure he would have done things very differently than how he's done it and being told, listen, you've got six months and whatever, you know, you've got to go from there. But it looks like the club are not really considering extending him as manager and there will be somebody else coming in. Uh, Ten Hag is now the hot favourite Uh I mean, I still like him. I do think that probably the club are pushing for that because it's the easier option. There's, I mean, to get Pochettino is going to be a lot more expensive. I think Paris Saint-Germain will go out of their way. I think Paris Saint-Germain will go out their way not to fire him. They would would waive any kind of payoff we'd have to pay because it would mean they didn't have to fire him and pay out the rest of his contract, if you know what I mean. So they would kind of settle for zero if you know what i mean like a trade-off kind of thing i'd read that it might be complete nonsense um but basically if if they were to sack him which they 100 want to and will this summer if no one takes them they obviously have to pay out his contract whereas if someone comes in and takes them they can just void his contract if he agrees to go it doesn't have to be paid out something to that effect so i actually thought even though the reported payout for ten hag is like two million or something paltry and um, that actually Pochettino could be you know similar if not cheaper but that could be completely mistaken 
yeah, look, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. We do know, and I, I don't know, I've seen bits and bobs and read quite a lot about the guys who are in charge at Paris Saint-Germain, but there's basically quite a few nasty pieces of work involved there. Oh, and time. I think it would probably go out of their way to make sure we didn't get an easy shot at getting that manager, even if they didn't want him. They'd probably just keep him just to make us make some kind of like compensation offer. But yeah, look, we'll see how this plays out from there. He's still definitely an option and there is still the definitely only... a lot of admirers of him within the club. And as oh, I said, Wayne Rooney tonight on uh, Monday Night Football has said he would go for Pochettino. And the reason he gave is Premier League proven. Uh, you know, this is a thing we hear all the time about players, mm. about managers, Premier League proven. I've even said it myself. But uh, it is interesting to look at the managers who've actually won the Premier League. And there's only about two out of like 25 seasons who were actually managers who you would call Premier League proven. Whereas all yeah, the rest well, between Alex Ferguson... Though, Nick? Because well, what, what year did they win their championship is the key question when you cite those facts. Because if you're saying to me... Guardiola wasn't Premier League proven how many years before he won his first title I think he was was he season three so Alex Ferguson he wasn't Premier League proven how many years before you know this goes for a lot of them if you've been in the league for three years at that club and then win the league title sorry you are Premier League proven at that point if you finish second third or fourth do you know what I mean so yeah yeah I do get the argument that they've come from a different league or they've never managed in the Premier League and that would make sense if they won the title in their first year or did really well in their first year. So it's just not as black and white as I've, cause I've seen that same, you know, kind of rhetoric about. And I think it's a little bit simple in terms of that being a point for me, primarily proven. First off, it's, you know, there's like English media truisms that we just hear, you know. Uh, every week every year and it's just things that sound good and mean nothing and Premier League Proven is definitely one of those because it's so it's so oversimplified you know Sam Allardyce is Premier League Proven do we want him as Manchester United manager we do not obviously does having experience of a league make a difference if you're comparing two candidates and one of them does and one of them doesn't well of course it does because if you have a body of work in that league leagues aren't the same you know the Dutch league is not the same as the English league and therefore, if one of the candidates has a body of work that you can go to look at in the Premier League, of course, that's going to be relevant. Should it be, you know, supremely important or should it make a huge difference? If they're, if they're totally tied as candidates, maybe it'll tip it over the edge. Beyond that, you know, there's other things in the interview process that I would value much more highly and just other things in general, how those teams, two teams play what the person thinks of our project, what the person says about our players and what they would view for us moving forward, who they would hope to sign, what their plans are on the pitch, etc. Much more important conversations than have you managed in the Premier League. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um... And also, just the last thing I want to say on Rannick, um, he gave more interviews during the week where he discussed kind of what United need and as a mm. club and all this kind of stuff. And honestly... I would defy anyone to read them and say he is not on the money. You know, I just read them and I just nod and go, yeah, 100%. That is so obviously the issue. And also clearly this man sees what we should do to fix it. I have a little reservation about his kind of strength of character in terms of pushing the things through that he identifies. And I think that's, you know, there's been a bit of criticism in his career throughout that he's uh, more of a talker than a doer, if you know what I mean. Like he says lots of nice things and, and seems to understand everything at a high level. 
can't really convey it slash force it into existence. So I have that as a wee concern. My biggest concern, Nick, is is that we have him. We've brought in this person who is clearly, you know, a a managerial footballing savant, you know, a deep thinker and a creator of good ethics in clubs and stuff like that. And I have this strong feeling that we are going to box him off into some position after the summer and he will have little to no input. And the people that have always made the decisions at United will continue to make the decisions at United. And they are not the manager, nor are they the expert. And I just have that. That's my dread for this summer is that you take someone like Ranić, who so clearly identifies the issues, who spends time as a manager getting to know the players and really understand what this club needs. And then you go, yeah, I mean, we hear what you're saying, but we just would rather sign a £150 million 30-year-old player and we're going to go ahead and do that. Cheers. No, I mean, look, we touched on some of this stuff last week and uh, yeah, it is a big worry of mine. But, you know, when Ranić first came in, I wasn't that excited about him as a manager because, you know, he'd been quite a while since he'd been a manager, almost like a decade. He hadn't actually managed that much. But I was excited about him coming in as a director of football, as a real footballing guy to come and like direct the next kind of phase of the club. And we know that's exactly what's been missing. I think that under Ole, there was some moves kind of made to improve that. But he didn't get anywhere near kind of finishing the job of sorting out how our kind of club is structured. Uh, And we know that, you know, things are kind of in a state of flux at the moment where Woodward's gone and new guys are coming in. Myrtle's still early in there. Arnold, we we kind of touched on what exactly is Darren Fletcher's role on the pod last week. Um, But yeah, that is a worry for me. And as I said, there has been some noises that Rannick's made in press conferences where he's been asked about, you know, how much you're involved in the next manager how much you're involved in transfers and he basically said i'm not he said i'm yeah. just here I'm just not, as interim yeah. manager to gate and all i'm thinking about is next week and winning three points and then in the summer we'll see and that was a big worry to me because as i said the thing that i really want him to be involved in is more the long-term planning more about what's going to happen uh, and that he should be a real integral part about choosing who is the next manager and which players will come in under him and yeah i am definitely worried myself about what kind of role he's going to have from there and maybe in the summer he will have more of a role uh, but yeah we, it just seems odd to me that like they see them as so distinct uh, you know it, I would I don't have no faith in that because why would you not be involved now you know I, it, it, just because you're currently the manager doesn't mean you know for me it's a, it's a sign of what's to come and that's that they they don't so far like what he has to say or don't have any interest in listening to him you know and, and involving him I just find that mind-blowing and yet like peak Manchester United you know that it is so on brand and yet so hard to understand no absolutely and like i say i hope they change that very quickly and listen to what he has to say because you know whatever faults he might have as manager this is a guy who definitely should be listened to in terms of managers in terms of playing style in terms of squads uh but yeah look we have to see where that goes from there we know we know there's a lot of issues in our boardroom there's a lot of issues in who's making decisions at our club and that is going to hamper any manager who comes in from there i still always hope that despite those kind of issues that we can still get success if we get the right manager the right players and you know we thought we were on that kind of way to Ole before it all fell apart in quite like disastrous ways um but yeah you know let's talk about transfers 
you know, there's a we start getting to that point in the season where there is a lot of talk about it, some kind of links. Uh, you know, it, uh, for a couple of years, the big name was always like Jaden Sancho, and we finally did get him. I'd say if we're talking about who's that name that keeps coming up, up, up again and again and again, then now it's Declan Rice. Um, but, you know, apart from that, who, you know, which kind of areas, which kind of players do you think that we should be focusing on at the moment? Throw out some names for me. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you three Premier League players we should sign and we'd have a great window. Uh, Yuri Tielemans, Ruben Neves, Timo Werner. Timo Werner. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, sure a lot yeah. of people are not that surprised to hear Tielemans, to hear Neves, but Werner, Timo I'm sure Werner that's is not my what... striker shout for the summer. So Chelsea allegedly aren't you know Chelsea ruiner of strikers aren't that bothered about him aren't that keen on him will probably buy a striker again they have a similar issue with Lukaku he's not really happy with playing time how it's all gone etc and there is reports that he will be available for a modest fee they also have huge issues around the status of their club and the fact that they're war criminals but I have really been an admirer of him and I appreciate he has been Fernando Torres level Andrei Shevchenko level of meme territory in classic Chelsea style but I just don't judge players who play for Chelsea (laughs) that harshly when it all kind of goes wrong because they're such a random club but I think if we want to move to play a different kind of way I just think his profile is perfect I think he will have something to prove I don't think he's as bad a finisher as he's been made to not been made to look as he has absolutely been for Chelsea Um, that said I don't think he's prolific but his work rate his energy his enthusiasm his mentality i think is absolutely spot on and he's just available and he would be cheap enough there's clearly hurdles will chelsea sell to us does he want to come to us all all valid questions i just have this little idea that i think he'd be brilliant for us and i don't think the striker market this summer is uh by any means a clear one you know we're not getting Haaland. i'd be extremely hesitant to go for kane not that i don't think he's an absolutely exceptional footballer because i do and i have long been admire more of his all-round play than his actual goals which are obviously phenomenal i just think it's too late and and it'll be a waste and i just think we need to spread our money about more carefully this year because we won't be dropping 200 million and we need three or four players minimum and therefore you're looking at 20 30 40 million pound players not 50 60 70 slash 100 million pound players and other than that you know Nunes and Kunku, all those kind of players' names that get thrown out there. I I don't see any real great shouts. I I would really love to see Timo Werner play for United, and that might just be a wee random thought I have, and it might be completely impossible to do. But I think, despite how many embarrassing misses he's had this year, he would do very well. And I just think it would be a statement that our club is moving in a new direction, and we want we want to be young, we want to be energetic, we want to press, we want to implement the style that Ralph likes and that Ten Hag. You know, he is a player that I could see Pochettino coming in and just getting the best out of 100%. The other two are, you know, common sense. I think we'll probably only sign one midfielder, Nick, which is a bit tricky, but I don't think there's room to sign more, to be honest. Yeah, and I would still like to see, you know, know. yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that somebody like Garner, who's definitely been the standout of our lone players, and there's been quite a few disappointments, unfortunately. uh, I think he definitely deserves his chance to come back into the squad, uh, bare minimum, and see what he can show over there. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. There might only be one midfielder who comes in. Um, And, yeah, I don't know if we will splash out. Like you say, West Ham are going to be asking... 100 million yeah, bare I mean, minimum. David Moyes is already doing tragic pay me, you know, uh, interviews. Um, 
to, to try and keep his player, which obviously, of course, is his right. But I, I think Rice is a super player. I think he will be a bargain for a hundred million for any club that gets him because he will play at that level for the next eight years. And if he's in a good team, he, he, he will take you from doing well to winning everything because he gives you that foundation. It's so important. You look at the teams that have really achieved in terms of Premier League success. It's your Fernandinos, it's your Fabinho's. It's those players that come in and make everyone else tick. Your Cantes, you know, they do they do set a team up. It's such a vital player in this day and age and we obviously crown out for it. He is the peak of it. We're just not in a position to compete for that at the moment, I think. Like, we might splash on him, but if we buy Declan Rice and Declan Rice only, we're more than a year away from from competing i just think we need to i just think we need to be really honest with where we are right now and what we need and how thin our squad is and enable ourselves to get rid of players by bringing in lots of players and that means you're bringing in 100 a lower profile of player i just don't understand we won't we won't go in for neves or telemans for some reason that i will never understand never ever in my life but i know for a fact already we won't be in for them well, look, we have to see when the new manager comes in what he might want and everything like that and who exactly is making these decisions. Uh, but yeah, look, that's Colm's hot take there. Timo Werner, definitely Timo not Werner. a name get that out. I've seen out of the list or linked get with the, us. Get the shirts printed. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, before we finish off with a bit of a preview of our next couple of games, I want to give a shout out to our regular sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, Manscaped are the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their amazing performance package 4.0. Inside this ball care bundle, you'll find their lawn mower 4.0 trimmer their weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer crop preserver ball deodorant crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies uh manscape now delivering to 38 countries worldwide uh, i know when we started pushing them they were only kind of hitting a few countries and then added in eu but yeah 38 countries now and i do know that the list of people who listen to this podcast we're at like kind of 50 plus over there uh so yeah wherever you are over there do go and check out manscape.com and they are now delivering to a lot of countries out there use the code united hour 20 to get yourself 20 percent off at manscape.com um, but yeah, look, we've got two games coming up, Everton and Norwich, that on paper couldn't be easier. Uh, do, do, do you think we're going to get two wins in these games? No. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to be confident about it. But like I say, you couldn't have two kind of easier games coming up. Yeah. Both kind that's of almost, relegation. That's almost the problem. Um, you know, Everton are due a result at some point here, and it just smacks to me that it's going to be us. Honestly, I have a real a real premonition about that one. They weren't actually awful there at the weekend, even though they got beat. Um, I just have a horrible feeling about that game. Um, but yeah, look, we could win draw. We could win both games. You know, uh, it just won't matter, Nick. I just want to see players play well. I just don't want to be disappointed and embarrassed at some of the performances. And I don't want to have to hate these players any more than I do for some of them. You know, like, honestly, I just, I'm, I'm so fed up of, of watching the same stuff, you know? I mean, and then the Instagram post afterwards, it's it's blood boiling, you know? So I, I would just like to see them look like they care and they're enjoying themselves and like they're trying hard. That's really all I care about. The result doesn't really phase me either way. Yeah, there does seem to have been a bit of a kind of almost regression, even in like mental. Because, you know, in February, uh, we were saying a lot of the time, listen, we played pretty well. 
we didn't get the result. But in March, it was, we didn't play well. Yeah. We didn't deserve much more than we got. And April has kind of started like that again. Uh, as I say, yeah, Everton and then Norwich. If we're not coming out with six points in these games, then yeah, maybe we do deserve to play in the Europa Conference League. Um, but yeah, as I say, Everton are in a, yeah, an absolute mess. Um I did see, you know, Donny van der Beek is obviously over there, will not play against us. But yeah, managed to get injured in the warm-up the other day and has not been having a good time either. When he first got there, he's he was at least selected and he's been selected pretty regularly. Lampard rates him and he was doing okay. But yeah, he's now had his injury issues over there. Then you have the likes of kind of Deli Ali, who they splash money on, who's nowhere. And maybe having that same kind of crisis, you might compare to Marcus Rashford, uh, yeah. you know, where mentally he's struggling... You know, a few years ago, and I think it's actually Alex Ferguson who came out and said that he is like the English, young English talent. He is the one right now. Mm. Like it was only about two seasons ago he was talking about him as the number one English talent that Manchester United should be trying to pick up. And he was, he was, he would look great. And he's just completely lost at the moment, cannot even get off the bench for Everton when they're struggling for a goal. Uh, so, yeah, don't know where he's at at all. But yeah, they've they've had a couple of players come back from injury. So as I said, they're not playing necessarily that badly, but they're just in that kind of relegation form where you don't get that rub of the game. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who was banging them in for them last season, has been either injured or missing the target. Uh, Richarlison, who's been away with Brazil and scoring goals, because I always keep an eye on them because of Fred. He scored two goals on international duty just last week can also not hit a barn door for Everton at the moment uh, but you, you just you just know that they're both going to come and score against us right yeah. it always seems to be the way that it goes yeah. players who haven't scored for weeks and weeks and weeks it always tends to see that they pull it out against Manchester United um, but yeah as I say I take, the I next game he, he's a down, he's going to go somewhere and you know and he's be being better. linked like he and he'll be good you know it's kind of like the Rafinha situation he will go somewhere and be better again than he has been um, and I think he's shown plenty you know there is maybe a slight lack of uh, end product there but um you know he plays for Everton at the end of the day and they've been uh, pretty woeful for the time he's been there um so someone will get him and and be the better for it I'd be more than happy to take him I don't really have I'm, any interest in Calvert Lewin even though I like him. He is like mentioned for us. Few, few people yeah, have linked yeah. him. Uh, he had a really good season last season. Yeah. Uh, his season this year has been all about injuries, not being played yeah. badly. It's just constantly been in and out injured. Uh, so yeah, I don't think we'd be looking at him. The only issue with Richarlison is that he does play up front with him sometimes. When he doesn't, he comes in from the left, and it'll be mm. yet another kind of left-sided player, you know, to add to our other twenty of them. Where <laughs> you know, years and years and years, we keep looking for somebody on the right side, and it was supposed to be Sancho. But yeah, again, he's become a left-sided yeah, player. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the other right-sided player, I was completely lost. I did have a quick eye just because you know we got the couple of Scots in the podcast groups. So they were token up the all firm derby, so I was watching that, hoping to get a glimpse of Armad Diallo, but he's just nowhere to be seen, unfortunately, no, either. No. Um, you know, and I don't know, don't think he's going to be our right wing savior, unfortunately. But yeah, I still think there's a lot of talent there, but he's not getting a chance at Rangers at all, and as uh, the manager's not giving him a chance there Should, but yeah uh, look sack off Declan Rice and buy Jared Bowen and they'll play him on the right wing yeah, well, yeah, look, he's having an absolutely outstanding easy. season. And like, uh, was I think he should have had a shout for England, really. It uh, didn't really, even, you know, 
yeah, he was very unlucky not to get a call-up, especially when they were going down the list when a few were pulling out, getting injured and whatever. thought somewhere he must be in that conversation, but no, he's not being shouted out there yet. But yeah, as you say, right-sided player, exactly what we've been lacking for a while now. Um, but yeah, look, we will come back after that Everton game. I hope we will have three points to talk about because uh, it's been a while since we have done. Uh, yeah, Everton it will be, and then Norwich before we go to Anfield. So yeah, we really need to try and pick up some kind of confidence because we don't want to have the kind of embarrassing situation we had at Old Trafford not long ago. Uh, So yeah, two games we've got to get some kind of um, rhythm going before we go into visit to Anfield. Uh, But yeah, I think that is it from us for this week. We will see you back after that Everton game next week. Uh, Do shout us out on Twitter. Uh, Check out, we will be, as I mentioned last week, we've cut off now and we will be doing the um, Patreon draw for a package from Manscaped over there. Um, And yeah, anyone on who's joining our Patreon, do check us out on the Discord as we have our match day chat going back again over there, over there. And always like having the guys joining us with their comments on the Discord there. But yeah, that is all from us for this week. We will see you back next week. Goodbye from me. Cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.